0: Shit, 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 shit show. It's a fucking shit, show.
1: shit Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. Shit, 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 shit. Shit, shit, We have Shit Show Abby. Hey. Hi. So happy to be here. I'm happy you're here
0: too. Hey. Song. Song. All right. So the first one that popped into my mind, this might be a little bit lame, but I'm going to have to say Bet On It by Troy Bolton. So I am. Okay, Carbohydrate. Oh, my God. Carbohydrate. Potatoes of
1: any type? You have one type. Gun to the head. What do you want? Oh, man. Crinkle fries. Crinkle fries. hmm hmm <laughs> What are you dipping that in? Cheese sauce. Yeah. Is that Michigan?
0: Honestly, what it brings my mind to is Portillo's from Illinois. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's so good.
1: Is that so a restaurant good.
0: or a dish? So it's a restaurant. It's kind of like a deluxe fast food place. But so they have like just about any and every fast food item there. It's really good. Portillo's. Definitely it if you're ever in the area. Yeah, Portillo's. They also randomly have a location in Arizona. And I think they might be putting one somewhere else in the Midwest, like
1: Indiana, maybe. It looks like there's one in Orlando.
0: Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, if you're ever in the area of one, you'll definitely have to try it. It's delicious.
1: Okay, I want to look. So what kind of sandwich are you getting typically?
0: I love their burgers personally. But they also surprisingly have really good salads. What about their pasta? I never really get the pasta. I know some people do. I couldn't tell you one thing or another about it. They also have really good ribs. Like award-winning, too. Cheese. Oh, my gosh. Pepper Jack. All day. a good pepper jack. Okay. Condiment. Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Brand. It depends. I'd say, I mean, Hellman's is good, but I really like Kraft mayo for some reason. Whoa.
1: I know. Whoa, I know. It's Peppy. very strange. Fuck. So many people oh. are like, What's wrong with you? Oh uh-huh. Lord. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I got to... I'm learning more. At least you can say miracle whip. Can't do miracle whip, can I folks, not. did you hear that? Craft mail. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm concerned. I'm a weirdo. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think she's about to reveal something real fucked up in her story. Hey. Yeah, my condiment choice really tells a lot. <laughs> the craft mail. Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. I won't judge you too much. Mayo gal. <laughs> Fucking craft Mayo. God. I know. Nickname. Okay. craft Abby. Craft Abby. Okay. How'd you find out that you were an adult child?
0: Oh, man. It was this past fall,
1: I want to say, that
0: I started, like, officially digging into your podcast. How'd you find it? Just researching self-help podcasts and I was in a really low place and I started out by just seeking out, I was listening to the anxiety podcast and because I really struggle with a lot of anxiety and it just, well, it was really good and I learned a lot. I was like, there's more to this. And I felt like there was, I mean, there was just so much more trauma-based stuff for me that wasn't totally being hit in that podcast. So Hey, I came across your podcast and literally, I think it was the second episode where you started explaining how you were parentified and so many different things that I think I literally stopped in my tracks and my jaw dropped. And I was like, I have never fucking heard someone describe things that are so similar to what I experienced, like in a sense. So yeah, then long story short, I started binging and soon enough, I was part of the community.
1: I'm waiting for somebody to say like, yeah, life was like really going great. And I just stumbled upon your podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Had you heard the term before?
0: No, I had heard. I had heard of AA. I had heard of Al-Anon, NA, but I had never heard of adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. So it was a really big learning curve for me and just really enlightening too. to and a little frightening at the same enlightening and frightening so look at the laundry list and be like oh wow I relate to just about all of these had you been to Al-Anon before I had not no but I have a lot of family who had been a lot of recovering slash recovered alcoholics addicts on both sides of my family too talk about
1: what was going on in your life when you were seeking you know the podcast and you said you were in a low point What was going on
0: yeah. So it was this past fall, and it was when I finally got myself back into therapy too around that time. I was, I think part of it had to do with my work because I'm a teacher who works with a lot of children who have experienced or are in the midst of experiencing trauma. So I see a lot of trauma responses day to day. And while I'm really passionate about that, I also think that I was having my own trauma responses to it, having not really known the extent of which my childhood had affected me. Mm-hmm. And it just really, I fell into a deep, dark depression. It was like, I found myself having a hard time getting out of bed. I was so overly sensitive, just experiencing all of so many of the main adult child symptoms. So it was really good for me to start listening and start realizing that I'm not alone. You took time off from work, right? I didn't take, uh, I mean, I took some days off this past year. I don't know why I thought you like took, I don't know why, were you thinking about that? You might be thinking of, I wonder if, I, I think I may have shared this in groups at one point, but when I was in college, I was a junior in college, was when I got hit really badly with endometriosis and the pain of that and then the depression that I went into from that, I had to drop a lot of classes and the classes that I was still in. Luckily, I had professors who were willing to, you know, have me either attend virtually or just catch up on things when I could. So yeah, it took time. But that I would say that was honestly like the start of my time of really starting to kind of understand myself more.
1: So is there a particular student that you can think of like from this past fall that Or like a particular incident that you feel like really triggered you? Yes. Yeah. It was, I think
0: it was late November. I got a new student in my class. Are you working in a, is it like a pretty like poor area? Yes and no. We get kind of a wide variety. Yeah. It's like a mix, but I would say that the majority of students are lower income. Okay. Yeah. So I got a new student and he. And this was first grade, first grade. It was like, I was told he had ADHD, he struggles and that's it. But on the first day in class with me, he wouldn't stay in the classroom, was just running basically all day. And then come our second recess in the day, I had my little group of kids stay in who had kind of been acting up a little bit in that day, probably because of the new student, you know, and seeing that misbehavior. And we just talked about what needs to be better, and we practiced a little bit. And because he had been unsafe, my rule is in my classroom: if you're being unsafe, I can't let you go outside to recess until I can trust that you can go out and be safe without me there. So my mistake was I let the other kids go and didn't close the door immediately, because then he just kind of looked at me, and when I started talking, he just bolted, bolted. Bolted. Luckily, none of my other kids were in the room, so I ran after him and was trying to be like. Strategic. And when he turned around, like, oh, I'm not running, you know? And sure enough, he bolted right out the door. But I was so proud of myself. I was wearing a dress that day, but I was able to not fully tackle him, but grab his arm and bring him to the ground. And yeah, called my principal and she came out. So it was intense. And that was kind of just the start of it. And I came to learn about just the immense trauma that this six year old had been through.
1: Yeah, what was going on?
0: Things at home weren't great. And his father had sadly been murdered a couple of years ago. And he knew everything about it. So naturally, he Mm. was a lot more mature than his years. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. And I think that, you know, not only knowing that he lost his father, but also just taking on the burden within myself of like, I want to save you so badly. But it's so hard being in that place and just, you know, you're only with them for a part of the day, ultimately.
1: Yeah. I mean, what kind of help is in place or what can you do in that situation to try to intervene at all? Is there anything?
0: I mean, my school is really great about bringing together a whole team of social worker, counselor, all different team members that we work together with the parent, you know, assuming that parents are willing to cooperate so that kind of brought its own set of challenges. But yeah, and you know, of course, with certain students, if you start to see warning signs of abuse, I'm a mandated reporter, so I have to make those calls. Yeah, I also, I think I made three CPS calls this past
1: year, so that was, Hmm. that also
0: is just uh, so heartbreaking to have to do, but also, like, you have to.
1: Is it anonymous?
0: Yes, but I mean, sometimes, you know, parents kind of do the math and can kind of figure it out, but
1: Yeah. Like, have you ever had any repercussions or like parents come at you
0: for that? No, personally, I know that my administrator did at times like have parents call and cuss her out and basically tell her, like, why are you doing this? But she was so good at handling that situation and just reminding them we are required to report this, whether this is going on or not, not pointing the finger.
1: So, yeah, got through the year. (laughs) Makes me feel a lot more prepared for this year. Yeah, you really can have such a large impact, right? Like, because when we talk about, what is it, the pieces, like the positive childhood experiences and yeah, having like one person who really gives a shit, me mm-hmm. have a huge impact on yeah. a
0: child. For sure. It's kind of a lot of pressure, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your childhood now. What should I know? So I knew that
0: things were not right for a long time since I was really little. and it was just kind of like that gut feeling. And it was a gut feeling that I didn't fully know how to recognize until honestly, within the past five years, I'd say. But yeah, I grew up with just a whole lot of family dysfunction. My parents fought all the time. Dad was an alcoholic. And I didn't come to know this until after he had passed away when I was 10. Wow. Yeah. So that was also kind of a mind fuck for a 10 year old. How did you find out? My mom had told me. Was he not drinking or you just didn't understand what was going on? I just didn't understand what was going on. Like, yeah, looking back, I remember always seeing a beer bottle in his hand. I remember my mom, you know, saying to him before he'd go out with a friend, like, please don't drink hard liquor, you know, that doesn't react well with you. So, yeah, that was really hard. But he died. How did you say? Yeah. He died very suddenly. He had a brain aneurysm. So he was working in our backyard and he passed out into a coma in our backyard and my mom and I found him. And then I think it was about two days later he passed. Well, what do you remember about that time? Like, how did you feel? You have a sister, right? Yes. I have a sister and a brother. They're technically half siblings, but my dad, one thing that I really love about him a great memory is that he was always like you are not half siblings you're siblings but yeah they weren't really around at the time they're older yes they're eight and ten years older than me so yeah I was definitely the baby of the family but yeah so I know that it just felt like a total whirlwind and it was like my whole world was crashing what was your relationship like with your dad I loved him so very much he was someone I looked up to like crazy he was the person I'd go to for like advice if I was having girl drama or whatever he's I think the one that I really kind of got my sense of humor from but yeah with my mom unfortunately had some struggles with mental illness when I was growing up so because of that there she was just Very, very protective of me. And I understand now that, you know, it's not her fault and she did what she could and what she thought she needed to do. But I was very separated from my father and not really allowed to be around him because of that. And so after he passed, was it just you and your mom? Yeah, just me and my mom. And that brought a whole lot of other realizations and hardships. Just, I mean, you know, grieving in general is something that you just have. People fall apart, of course, but I mean, it was, I was someone who always wanted to fix everything specifically for my mom and to see her just falling apart was really hard on me at the time.
1: The truth of the matter, my dear shit, shows is that there is a huge overlap in those of us who grew up in a dysfunctional family and those of us who are suffering from ADHD. I myself got diagnosed with ADHD about a year ago and getting this diagnosis and treating this diagnosis has made such a difference in my productivity and getting shit done. Now let me tell you about DUNE. DUNE is an online ADHD care platform where you can get all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com slash podcast to learn more. Again, that is get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done, turn ADHD into your strength. And were there any other, like, was there any other family to kind of step in or help out or?
0: Yeah, luckily, I feel very lucky and blessed that I had a lot of family who did step in. One aunt in particular, she like moved in for a little while and helped us out, like helped my mom keep up with the house and kept up just, being with me
1: and spending time with me. And then do you feel like it was just been a downward spiral for your mom ever since? Or was there ever a period of time where she kind of got it together? She
0: definitely did. And the kind of confusing thing about what she struggled with was like there were periods of time where she was perfectly acting what I want to say is normal. But then it was like all of a sudden we're it kind of felt like we were in an alter universe. And when I was 15, was when I started to gain a lot more understanding of like how unhealthy this dynamic was. And I think it was the time that I had my first panic attack, at least that I remember. And I was surprisingly seeing a therapist at the time, but was not talking about what was going on because for years I had been told that if I tell anyone what's going on, that I'll be taken away from my mom. And that was terrifying. (laughs) Your mom would say that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I was 15, I finally went. I actually called my aunt who had come and lived with us for a little bit, and I told her like, "I don't know what's going on, but I think I need to get out of the house tonight. Can I come stay with you?" And she said, "Yeah, of course." And that was just kind of the time that I just I couldn't hold it in anymore, and I just started word vomiting and telling her everything that was going on behind scenes, and I finally told my therapist too, and my therapist. Sat down with my mom and my aunt and said, We got to get a handle on this. Abby needs to be able to heal. And if she does not have separation, at least for a little bit right now, she's going to end up in the hospital. It was a really dark time, but also at the same time, kind of a blessing because that did kind of force my mom to go get into therapy and start getting help. So it was a journey from there because, you know, I was a teenager and learning about independence and all of that. And she was also just getting into her own self-healing journey with this. So took a while, but now we're really, we are very close. I'm still working on my boundaries, of course, but really she is one of the strongest people that I know, just what she's endured and gotten through and healed from.
1: Did you end up living with her again in high school? I did. Yeah. There was like a
0: time that I lived with my aunt for a little bit and then I went back home. My mom kind of relapsed for a little bit. So I went back with my aunt for a while and then I was back home until I graduated from high school and then went off to college.
1: So talk about how you started to see the impact of your childhood playing out in your life.
0: I started realizing that I was like terrified of, I mean, Not necessarily like what was right in front of me, but terrified of what could be. And oh, my God, is this person going to hate me? This person's making this facial expression. That probably means that they're annoyed with me and just being very self-critical. Also, just learning that I had a lot of trouble with boundaries, having not really been taught them growing up, at least not healthy ones. So, yeah, it's been a big learning curve. And then what about, like, how did it impact either romantic relationships or friendships? It was tough. I mean, growing up, do you mean like back when I was a kid?
1: No, or, or in college
0: or whenever. Yeah. I mean, in college, I would say, is when I had a couple of adult child bottoms. So I, my freshman year of college was, uh, at the time, was with somewhat of a new boyfriend who was not at all good for me. He was very abusive and verbally, emotionally, physically, terribly emotionally and a little bit sexually. So luckily I finally did break away from that, but it was after the after this bottom that we were on our way back from a party and I got I literally got back to my dorm and I was in the lobby about to go upstairs and I was definitely way too intoxicated that the police happened to be walking by and they stopped me. They breathalyzed me, and I spent a night in the drunk tank. Woke Mm -hmm. up. Had no idea how I got there. I was absolutely terrified, and I lived in just so much shame after that, specifically, like, just knowing what happened to my dad and not wanting to become that. But yeah, so that was one relationship kind of tied into that bottom that was not good, and I didn't recognize it, and I, at the time, was, like, starting to try to stand up for myself. But I realized now how that was more in a controlling way. So it was really good when we finally broke up. I did have to threaten a restraining order, but finally got out of that. And yeah, struggled with some friendships at the time of, it was after that, I was my junior year of college then. Right before that year, I had gotten into a really bad car accident. And I like, literally I got out of it with a fractured shoulder and a broken pinky. And I literally looking back at it, like my car flipped over on its side and was like opposite to the direction of traffic Um, on the highway. Mm. And like, I should have died looking back at it. So that I really struggled from that. And my friends at the time, I think didn't really know what was going on with me and were kind of attacking me for not coming out as much. And I was then dating my now husband. And, you know, a lot of the conversations were you're all about your boyfriend. All you do is spend time with him. And finally, I had to sit down with them and be like, listen, it's nothing against you guys, but there's some days where I don't feel like I can get out of bed and he's willing to just lay there with me and listen and not talk if I need to. So, you know, some of those friendships did turn out to we worked through it and others ended up just kind of being lessons learned. Yeah. You got really bad PTSD after that car accident, right? Like, you had cars and stuff? Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. It was like any time that I felt like the car was like starting to tilt a little bit, even though it wasn't, you know, or just veering or whatever. Or I hear tire screeches in the background. It just really took me aback. How did you get through it? Did you do therapy on that specifically or what? I did. Yes. I sought out therapy at my college at the time. So that was really, that was helpful for the time. But then also in the middle of that was when that was the time when I started having severe chronic pelvic pain. And the first time that I noticed that I went in for an ultrasound. The doctor called me back within 20 minutes and freaked me the fuck out and told me you might need to go in for an emergency surgery because we see something that could be an ectopic pregnancy. And turned out that it was a cyst. Luckily, but that was just the beginning of my journey with endo and chronic pain. So that, on top of all of the other emotional stuff and PTSD that I was dealing with, just I was unwell.
1: Mm -hmm. So, from over the past almost year, but like the past nine months or so, what had there been any revelations that you've had about your childhood since diving into the adult child stuff? Yes,
0: definitely. I mean, For one thing, just realizing, understanding it more deeply, like I've known for a long time things weren't right. And I knew that I shouldn't have been in places that I like in personal places that I was in or put in. But I've just I've realized with the help of my current therapist and from my own research diving into ACA that I was 100 percent parentified and that that is, while it wasn't a malicious intent on my parents' part, it's neglectful. And my now therapist was the one, actually, our first session together, she told me, Abby, you were neglected. And I was like, so that was a really big realization for me. And just kind of understanding how, why I have these big impacts and that it makes sense. But then I mean, like, other things in terms of realizing how I sometimes could emotionally dump on others and not but then at the same time not so badly feeling shame for burdening anyone with anything yeah it's gotten better but still working on it for sure what is your relationship like with your ziplines? We've gotten a lot closer over the years. My sister specifically is, I mean, she was someone that I looked up to and just absolutely adored from the time that I was a little girl. But over the past couple of years, my husband and I had what we call a COVID wedding back in 2021. It was only 10 people there of immediate family. But prior to that, we were planning like an actual big wedding reception. And I had asked both My sister and my cousin, who's like a sister, to be my matrons of honor. And that just brought me and my sister so close. So I'm really grateful for that experience. And yeah, it's been really nice to come together more. My brother, I'm definitely, I consider myself close with him, but he's kind of not around all the time.
1: How do you feel like your sister was impacted by her childhood? She definitely had her struggles
0: too. I mean, Within her home, there were different struggles. Did she live mostly with her dad? She lived mostly with her mom. Oh, so the dad. Wait, so we share the same dad. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there was a big chunk of time that she wasn't around as much because her mom, understandably, didn't want her around my mom's stuff she had going on. Were your dad's alcoholism? Yeah, probably that too. But somehow that I don't think was a big factor at the time. Yeah, she and I mean, I can only imagine just the hurt and loss that she must have felt from not being able to be around her father as much because like me, she and I both felt very close to our dad.
1: And then what about the conversations between you and your husband as far as family dynamics and how do you feel like it's played out in your relationship? I mean, we've grown so
0: much over the years together. How long have you guys been there now? Been together... Six or seven years total, but he is nothing but understanding and supportive. I mean, it was, I think he also kind of was slightly shell shocked hearing everything that I had been through a little bit, but he also, not necessarily in his home, but he had been through some very traumatic things in his childhood too. So that kind of brought us together. Initially, I'd say it had the potential to be an unhealthy trauma bond. But luckily we were able to work through that and just kind of discover how we have our differences, but just learning to communicate in ways that are important for each of us. That's been huge, but it's always so interesting when one of us is venting about something and we bring insight that the other one wouldn't have thought of. That's awesome. It is. Yeah. I'm real grateful for him. Okay. Three things that you like about yourself. All right. I would say that I am very compassionate. I love just about anyone. I am very hardworking and determined. I'll clump those into one. And then I'm also very patient, which can be a downfall at times too, but (laughs) hope or dream for the future. I just really hope to continue to heal and just find my true purpose on this earth and a purpose that is not a trauma response. If that makes sense. <laughs> That's
1: beautiful. You will. Where passion, no, no. purpose, and skill collide, true bliss resides. That's the quote you need to think of. Love that. Passion passionate about what do you think your purpose is? What are your greatest skills? Yeah. So, all right, greatly love you. you. Thanks for doing this.
0: Love you too, of course. So honored you asked me and thank you for everything you do too, Andrea. I'm not even exaggerating when I say you and your podcast have truly saved me and brought me to so much more recovery than i could ever imagine so thank you so much i appreciate yeah. what you what
1: what's making you slow now